the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 117 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod, myself at Justin Hughes365, and Andrew at AMCQ82. If you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook group, Baseball365. Over there, we are crossed over the 2600 member mark, and we are talking baseball every single day of the year. And the best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes by taking a few moments and leaving us a five-star rating, writing a nice review for us. It's a good way to help us get our name out there, and we would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On last on our last episode, we touched on the 2020 disappointing hitters and review how they how they were doing this year so far. And this week we're doing something similar. We're reviewing performances of the hitters who broke out last year and how they're doing coming off their big breakout season. And I got my opening question for Andrew. Let's get you on. And um, last week, Rich Hill tallied 10 strikeouts in a game. And he's 41 years old. He's the oldest pitcher to have 10 strikeouts since 2008. Can you name who struck out 13 batters in 2008? That's older. That was older than Rich Hill is now. Well, I haven't. Uh, I haven't looked it up. I don't know. Um, 2008 and older than Rich Hill. My default when I think of old pitchers around that time is Jamie Moyer. Oh, so that's that's going to be my guess. But I know he wasn't a big strikeout guy, so it's probably not him. It is not him. It is the guy who I think has the second most strikeouts in Major League Baseball history. I think he's second. And that would be the big unit, Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson. Huh. Um, <laughs> How did I guess Jamie Boyd? <laughs> you were close. They're both left-handed and were very yeah. old at that time. But I was just, all my whole thought the whole was over 41. Mm-hmm. And there's just not a ton, you know. No. I knew he pit. I knew he pitched till God. I don't even know mid 40s or maybe even upper 40s. So, yeah, was, I figured it wasn't him, but couldn't think of. Uh, wow, it's crazy, Randy Johnson, huh? I'm looking up Jamie Moore right now. I, I'm going to guess his last season was like 2011. Let's see here. Last season, 2012. He. Yeah is now 58, so that means he was 49 years old in 2012 yeah. when he pitched. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. So, yeah, he was So four, he'd have been like 45 48. in 2008, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. He would. Yeah, that's right. So he would have been older, but probably didn't. I mean, I knew he wasn't a big strikeout guy. Like I said, I just figured maybe he had one of those games. Do you know what Jamie Moyer's career high strikeouts per nine innings was? To probably like seven. Six point zero seven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's incredible. Yeah. It's always in the fives all the way down, pretty yeah. much. Doesn't surprise me. Wow. Okay, well that was a fun trip down memory lane. Okay. Uh Andrew, we're gonna talk about some breakouts from last year and just see how guys are doing and thought they'd give give us something to talk some guys to talk about. And the first one I got for you is Trent Grisham. He gained some buzz in 2019. He was a former prospect known as Trent Clark who didn't have a lot of pop but could steal some bags. And all of a sudden in 2019, he started hitting some pop for some pop. Um, After hitting seven home runs in 405 plate appearances in 2018, he had 26 home runs in 441 plate appearances and two stops in the minors. And uh, in 2019 and then debuted for Milwaukee late in the season and had another four home runs and five stolen bases in 22 games to end the season. That offseason, he was traded to the Padres and the success continued last year in 59 games and 252 plate appearances. He hit 251 with a 352 on base percentage with 10 home runs and 10 steals. And so far in tw- this year, that success is still going pretty strong. 
He started the year on the injured list, but has been back for 20 games now, and he's hitting 321 with a 391 on base, four home runs, and five steals. Andrew, I would definitely take the under on that batting average the rest of the way. I think most people would, but I'm starting to wonder if this guy could be maybe even a second-round pick if we were redrafting today for the rest of the season. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. I'm, might be uh, might be a little aggressive for me, but, I mean, I, I really like him. Yeah, he's playing great. I, I felt like a lot of the um, – I know I kind of mentioned it before, but – a lot of the risk with him coming into the year was just how like how likely he was to stick at the top of the lineup. But I mm-hmm. feel really good about that now. I mean, um, Kim hasn't really done anything to nope. overtake him there, and he's playing great. You know, does everything. I mean, I the ceiling's really high with him. He just keeps doing it and walking a lot. It's like everything's there. So. Yeah, could be. I mean, I I'll be curious to see kind of what he does, like where he goes next year if he continues to do what he's been doing. Uh, I do have him on a few teams, and it was nice when he came back because and then he just kind of took off right away and yeah, playing really well. So gotta like Grisham. I mean, it's hard to dismiss what he's done at this point. You know, the walks are the reason I think I was a little more confident in you in terms of the batting a- or I'm not the batting average, the batting order spot, because I, th- I think I said this a couple months ago. He's had a double digit walk rate every single in every single stop in the minors going back to 2015. It's been it's incredible to look at how often he's getting on base, even whenever he's not hitting for a high average. To where, yeah, I think he's got a I, he's a going to hit in that top three of that lineup. I think for a long time, and yeah, that when you're hitting in the lineup right ahead or right in the middle of Tatis and Manny Machado, it's a beautiful place to be. So yeah, I I think he could be a second round pick, and maybe by this time next year, whenever we're doing drafts, we'll we'll see. But I I think there's a legit possibility. Yeah, I do too. I mean, he has. He has that type of upside just with the skill set. You know, it's kind of all there. I mean, power, speed, batting average. I mean, he's not great in batting average necessarily, but he's not hurting you either. So, no. Yeah, I mean, he's he's five categories pretty much. I mean, it's, yeah, really good player. Now, that 321 batting average is does involve a 420, 412 batting average on balls in play right now. So Yeah, that'll come down. But even if it's like, 270 i mean that's fine you know even if it's 250 that's fine yeah because right, he does yeah. everything else well yeah if it's like if it is 260 270 280 i mean that's phenomenal so agreed uh moving on we're gonna go to a guy who i definitely think of your boy because um, i know you had a lot of shares the last couple of years and really profited last year and that would be Corey seager he battled injuries in 2018 and 2019, and his stock fell until last year. And then he had an MVP-level season with a 307 batting average with 15 home runs, 38 runs, 41 RBI in 52 games. Incredible. Everything looked in fantastic in the batted ball profile, and this year he's followed it up with a 257 batting, batting average so far with a 352 on base, four home runs, 16 runs, and 18 RBI in 27 games. So far, those numbers look closer to what he was in 2018 and 2019. Any concern here for those who took him as a top 50 player? No, not really. I mean, with Seager, I think it's one of those things that um, you kind of have a feeling what you're getting when you drafted him, like, you're going to get pretty good batting average, good power, like kind of just good across the board, not not maybe great across the board, and not much speed. Um, I wasn't interested in his draft price this year. I've always liked him, but I've just liked him when he was going later, and I just felt like it was a little too aggressive this year. But if you believed in him or, or you were drafting him entering 2021, no, I, I don't think there's really much reason to be concerned. I mean – 
He's walking even more than he was last year, quite a bit more, up from 7 to 12%. Um, and, you know, some of the surface stats, they're not quite there yet, but they'll get there. I mean, it's the Dodgers. Their offense is great. He's entrenched at the top of the lineup. Like, there's just not a lot of risk, really, with him. No playing time risk, anything like that. So I think you just ride it out, and he should have – pretty good season at the end of the year i mean i don't really see any reason to be concerned if you believed coming in so so he had 15 home runs and 52 games played i mean that's pacing for an insane amount of home runs last year and he's only got right. four and 27 here if i gave the over under at 30 right now what what side would you be on 30 for the season yes probably the uh, slide under probably like 28 something like that 27 yeah. yeah i agree i agree i would take the under um 27 28 it's probably on the high end of where i'd but like him. i think i think that it's gonna come with or it's likely to come with a lot of runs a lot of rbi and a pretty good batting average like he's at 257 now i mean i would over that for sure so. For sure, yeah, I'd, I'd, his expected, I would ex- yeah, his expected batting average right now is three hundred six. So, I was just about to say I'd expect two eighty to three hundred at least right. by the time the season's on. I, I should say two seventy to three hundred, but I'd be pr- thinking more in line with a two eighty to three hundred as a real possibility. Yeah, he's just he's just a really good hitter. I mean, he's like you say, you know, you know, you're not basically not getting steals, but it's everything else is, and with the lineup and the spot that he's in in the lineup i mean and everything else should be good yeah if you're looking at that batting average and the home run so far and getting nervous don't panic just hold yeah you know definitely don't be mo- trying to move him right now all right next up we got kyle tucker he was in houston astros purgatory for the last few seasons he wet the bed in his first taste in the bigs in 2018 and he was better late in 2019 when he got a chance but last year, he was huge for fantasy owners that took him in that 150 range in redrafts. I'm going off of memory, but I remember you and I last February, a, a year ago, talking about him and Michael Brantley going back-to-back, and we were we were both on the camp of take Brantley because Tucker, just the playing time wasn't a sure thing. But those that did take a chance, it paid off. He hit 268 with nine home runs and eight steals. 33 runs and 42 RBI in 58 games. This year he hasn't been quite so fortunate. A 188 batting average with a 248 on base with five home runs, two steals, 13 runs, and 15 RBI in 28 games. He also only has three walks and 96 plate appearances. Are you concerned about Tucker? Well, he was just, he was kind of another guy that coming into this season I wasn't uh I would I just wasn't in on I have him in a dynasty league but I wasn't in on his price coming into the year and obviously haven't really regretted it am I concerned not really I mean I think he's you know his 188 batting average comes with a 179 BABIP so I mean it's pretty clear there's a good bit of bad luck one thing that's a little surprising to me is he's at 36 percentile sprint speed right now which is really yeah which is um that's a bit concerning i i'm not sure what it was last year but 70 um yeah so that's a obviously a dip that's kind of strange but who knows if that's even normalized yet i don't know like we were talking about that before i yeah i think that that's one of those things that can look a little off early in the season yeah i think i I heard somebody talk about that to where because we were saying the same thing about Victor Robles. I think he was like 40 or 50 percentile, wasn't he? When right, we yeah. He was, He's around yeah, he was 70 like now, 70 to 45. Okay, yeah. He probably had a play where he was really busting it <laughs> or, or a hit where he was really, you know, that's maybe that's all it takes. I don't know. But um, Tucker, I mean, I think you just probably ride it out. I don't know if I'd. Well, I think, you know, if it was like a dynasty panic sell guy that wanted to sell or something, I think I would buy. I mean, I I don't think that um, there's a ton of reason to be concerned. I mean, he's 
hitting the ball pretty well other than, you know, just a lot of bad luck. So I think it's going to normalize and he'll be fine. Before I come into Kyle Tucker, I got to go back into this. What triggered me to go look at Victor Robles' sprint speed is the other day somebody showed in a, one of the messenger chats I'm in the StatCast page of Vlad Guerrero Jr. And I noticed his sprint speed was at 50. And I thought, wait a minute. Is he actually ahead of Victor Robles right now? <laughs> so that's what triggered yeah, me going to look at Robles' sprint speed the other day. And that's pretty wild to think about. I was relieved to see that Kyle T- or Robles was like 70 or 75. I'm like, okay, so Robles hasn't gotten to that level yet. <laughs> um, Kyle Tucker, I had, I remember re- I've read a few things that he's been one of the unluckiest players in baseball this year in terms of hard hit balls going for outs. I've even seen him watched a video of all of like guess the hit or the or the or an out for Kyle Tucker showing these balls coming off the bat. He's laced so many of them for outs. His expected batting average last year was 286. It's 271 right now. He's I, I'm not at all worried about him and uh, I mean, you know he could walk a little more but that again I think we're talking about a small sample size there to where no I'm I'm not concerned at all at all about Kyle Tucker yeah I definitely I would buy low in the in like a dynasty league or maybe even a redraft league if there was trading if um somebody was looking to get off of him for sure if anybody's impatient on him right now it's a good time to check in uh, we have another uh, San Diego Padre next with Will Myers, someone the Padres looked like they were wanting to trade after 2019, basically wanting to just begging anybody to take him. That season, he was striking out at an alarming 34% rate, but in 2020, he had a really good 55 game run. 288 batting average with a 353 on base with 15 home runs. The steal slipped, he only stole two bases. But the most impressive part to me is the strikeout rate was only 25.5%. So how's he doing this year? In the early going, he's been pretty close to the same guy as last year, a 253 batting average with a 347 on base, four home runs and four steals in 28 games played. I, guess, I say he's been pretty close to the same, and I guess I'm mostly meaning the strikeouts, striking out only 24.7% of the time and walking almost 13% of his plate appearances. Looking deeper, what I saw, his exit velocity and hard hit rates are actually not great here in the early going. Barrel percentage and walk rates are at the near the top of the league, though. Kind of feels like a mixed bag here, but overall, a pretty good start to the season for Myers. Yeah, yeah, definitely a mixed bag. I, I've never, I don't know, I've always had a, like, I can't figure out Will Myers type thing. It's like, <laughs> I, I never... I feel like his batting average fluctuates a lot. Um, you know, 239 in 2019, 288 in 2020, 253 this year. Seems like he's just a little all over the place. Um, he ran a lot previously. Sprint speed is 86th percentile right now. And he's got four stolen bases. So, I mean, I guess you could say he chips in there. He only had two last all last year, so... I don't know. It's kind of um, definitely a mixed bag. That that's that was a great way to put it because I feel like he's kind of all over the place. But in that lineup, playing pretty much every day, I mean, it's the numbers should should be there. And I probably should like I in my head probably underrate him a little bit. I'll admit that I've never. I don't know if I've ever owned him. I don't think I have. The only th- I owned him, I took him in, I remember taking him in a startup dynasty in 2016. And the reason was his value was down going into that year. It was an auction. And I, I don't know why, but I remember I got him for $17 in that startup. And that was with a 40 man roster with like a two, like instead of a 260 budget, you had a 520 budget. So I, th- I got him cheap and reap the benefits he went he had 28 home runs and 28 steals that year in san diego and i ended up moving him i think the next off season but yeah bottom five percentile in hard or exit velocity right now uh, average exit velocity so he's definitely not getting making hard contact but 
man, 86 percentile sprint speed. He can still move around. And I, yeah, I, I think he's going to be fine this year. I, I but, um, that, I, that, that is something to keep watching. I think in terms of the hard hit rate, hopefully that starts bouncing up as the year goes on. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys, if you have him, you just put him in your lineup and yes, let it roll. You know, I mean, set, set it and forget it. Yeah. Like whatever you want to call it. Yes. And the, the steals probably will continue being there. 86 percentile in speed and the Padres just let everybody run. I think I could steal 20 bags on that team. If I, I played for them. <laughs> got full yeah. I was looking, I was looking today. They, they have 35 stolen bases and that leads the majors. And second is KC with 22. <laughs> As you said, they got 35 and, the Mets, and they're leading. The I was Mets, like, the Mets have three. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in. I was literally looking at that this morning. When you said they were at 35, I'm sitting there thinking, I bet second place has 20. So I was, yeah. I was close there. Uh, moving on, we got... KC, Lu- KC has 22 with, with no Mondesi, so they they maybe oh, be... Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. They'd maybe be right there. They're probably going to be right there by the time it's all said and done if Mondesi gets back anytime. Uh, the next one's kind of depressing to talk about because there was breaking news on this player in the last 24 hours, and that's Luis Robert. Uh, one of the biggest stories in the first half of last year, his, uh, I say, for, I should say first month. His September was pretty ugly, though, which did cool some of the steam going into this past offseason. And Robert's been all, was all right here in the early going in his first 25 games, a 316 batting average with a 359 on base, only one homer, but four steals. He was making better contact, a strikeout rate around 27%, but he's still chasing and he was uh, whiffing a lot though. Uh, chase rate was in the bottom 3% of the league and whiff rate bottom 17%. But as I said, this one's, really depressing as he hurt himself yesterday and um it looks like he's out at least 12 to 16 weeks so we're not going to be seeing this guy for a while we might we'll, hopefully we'll get to see him at the end of the year i know they're saying at least 12 to 16 weeks and their surgery still on the tables there's a chance we may not even see him again this year but so let's play the hypothetical that he's out for the year and we don't see him back with this performance in the early going, is it going to change your feelings on him at all between this and the injury going into next year if he didn't play again this season? No, not really. Like as long as, um, as long as he is healthy going into next season. I mean, he's not out for the season, so he probably will be fine by that time. But um, I would. I mean, I kind of. It's not enough to change my overall opinion on him, I guess is the best way to put it. Not yet. So, I mean, it just wasn't enough sample and now he's hurt. So it kind of sucks, but, um, just have to deal with it. And hopefully he's back like August, September. And yeah, I mean, barring anything too drastic, even, even when he comes back, I mean, let's say he comes back in mid August or first of September. Um, I don't really think he's going to do much in that time for me to change my mind either. So I feel like going into next year, I'll probably be kind of where I was on him coming into this year. Yeah. Uh, it's another one of those mixed bags when you look, I'm at also him. not going to, I'm also not going to hold the injury against him. I mean, as long as he's healthy, you know? Yeah, exactly. If, uh, this what I'm trying to remember. What did they say? It was a hip flexor strain. Yeah, I wouldn't think after this thing heals up that this is something that should be lingering with him next year. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think it's pretty much a same boat. There's good and there's bad when you look into what he's done so far this year, and it's kind of a stay stay the course. Whatever you felt about him going into this year, probably about the same. Do you think his ADP then will be about the same, or do you think with this 316 average, if let's say he comes back for the last month and he still keeps his average close to 300, do you think it could actually? I think I think it'll hinge a lot on what he does in the last like four to six weeks. Yeah, I mean if he if he comes back and goes nuts in September, if I could see his ADP almost being higher, but 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's a ways away. Yeah, and he also has the chance to go off once Tony Larusa leaves the leads this team into the playoffs in October. He could be the he could be the Randy Arozarena for the Tony Larusa led White Sox. Oh yeah, don't did, get us started. Don't get us going on the Russo. We'll be here I, all night. I I have to. Did you did you see the article I shared in our group chat earlier today about Tony Larusa? I just saw the um, the headline. The, like the headline, I didn't read it. Yes, I've got a. Let's see, where is that at? It was too good. Uh, okay, we're stalling. For some in the White Hot White Sox clubhouse, patience is growing thin regarding Tony Larusa's managerial decisions. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, re- I saw that. I didn't realize that there was a game last Tuesday, the same game where he overused Giolito and said he didn't realize he looked gassed. When I could tell watching the game on TV, he was gassed. That. Later, another inning or two later, he chose to pinch hit with Billy Hamilton instead of some of his one of his better hitters because, quote, we needed a single at that time. <laughs> Have you Stop. heard that? No, that's that was a quote that I just read in that article. <laughs> you oh put Billy God. Hamilton in because you need a single. I know when I think I need to get a base hit here. Billy Hamilton is the first guy that comes to my list in the top of my top of my head. Oh, that's that's too much. Yeah. It, he also said, quote, yesterday, I, I'm I'm just getting carried away here, but I'm just I mean, I he continues blowing minds <laughs> that they can withstand this Luis Robert injury because they've got plenty of guys that can fill that role. And the only center fielder I can think of is Billy Hamilton right off. So he's basically saying, oh, yeah. And Larry Garcia. Those two can pretty much be Luis Robert. Yeah. God. Never ending with that guy. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. All right, let's move on. That's our Tony LaRusso segment for this show. (laughs) We'll be, we'll be back with uh, a little more on him next week. Yes, there will be something. All right. Next up, we got Dominic Smith. Uh, He's been struggling to get he. I'm sorry. He had been struggling to get consistent at bats for the Mets the last few seasons. Pete Alonso blew up two years ago, and uh, in a good way. And there were legit questions if Smith was going to be able to get consistent playing time on this team. But his bat forced the issue last year as he hit 360 316 with a 377 on base and a slug over 600 with 10 home runs and 42 RBI in 50 games played. This year, he's the starting left fielder for the Mets, but his performance is down across the board. A 234 batting average, uh, only a 250 on base, and a slug at 364 with two home runs and eight RBI in 80 plate appearances across 21 games. His strikeouts up rate is up a little, but nothing too alarming, but he only has two walks in those 63 plate appearances. Do you have any level of concern here? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've just never been on this train with Dominic Smith. I don't I don't really get it. I mean, I know he's had short bursts of success and was pretty good last year, but I don't know. I'm just not a fan. I don't believe. I don't think he – he doesn't really bring any defensive value to the table, so it's all the bat and – the bat hasn't been that great. I mean, I just don't think he's a special hitter. I mean, he's he's okay. I mean, it's really all he is to me. And, um, yeah, I'm just not that, like, I mean, I'm concerned if I have him, but, like, I don't have him, you know, and it, there's a reason for that. So I guess that's kind of just where I'm at on him. You know, for being a power bat, his launch angle's about league average looking at it his exit velocity is below average in the 88 to 89 range. That's, that's not a good little combo there. That said his expected batting average this year and last is 304 and 301. So there's something in there saying that he should be hitting better than this. Uh, The whole Mets team is struggling right now though. I mean, you and I were talking about this before the show, but Francisco Lindor has really struggled in the early going. And when you go, I was looking up and down their lineup and their statistics, I think earlier today, I think there's only one player on that team who's meeting or exceeding what I would have said would be their batting average expectation going into the season. 
So maybe maybe it's just one of those things that he and the rest of the whole team eventually gets going. And I know Jacob DeGrom would like that at some I point. Was gonna, I was just going to say it, that they might eventually get going, but they're not going to do it when DeGrom pitches. <laughs> my, my goodness. No, I think – It's um, getting – it's just getting like, oh, man, I need to – somebody needs to put out a – I'm sure it's out there. I just haven't looked. But the run support that he's gotten in the last – year to two years it just it's crazy like every game i i feel like we talk about it every fifth day it's the same thing over and over you know wild we've had i've had rich wilson on this show we've all listened to his podcast with tim mcleod over the years and i feel like i've heard him talk about this for three years and it just seems like it's getting worse not better yeah it's like one of those it's like one of those things that you know, the normal, the mindset is, oh, well, it'll correct because stuff like that, it's typically like once you enlarge the sample size that you're looking at, it's going to normalize and, you know, like the bad luck will correct or whatever you want to call it. But, oh my, it's just not, it's just not doing it. It's, it's just over and over every, every year. It's like, he doesn't get run support. Okay. Well, you know, he's probably going to have a little bit better luck with run support this year or whatever. You know, that's that's kind of how my mind works, but it just never happens. It's 32 starts. Un- it's unbelievable. 32 starts in 2018, 10 and 9 record. 32 starts in 2019, 11 and 8 record. 12 starts in 2020, 4 and 2 record. And he's been the best pitcher in baseball that whole time. Yes. Or clo- like top two oh, yeah. or three. His yeah. highest ERA in these four-year stretches, 2.43. It's yeah. it's insane. You know, we, we talk about like expected batting averages or expected um, ER XFIP and ERA. It'd be fun to see like a expected win total. Like let's say you have a league average offense, <laughs> league average yeah. defense, and you're pitching this many innings, give up this many runs. What's your expected win total? Well, in the past too, it was the bullpen. I don't yes. feel like it's been the bullpen as much this year, at least not yet. Once. Yeah, I don't just off memory because I've I've followed him a good bit just because of I own him on a couple teams and stuff, but um, or more so because of that. But yeah, I don't feel like it's been the the pen. Yeah, maybe like you said, maybe once, but in the past it's been that more too. I mean, the mm-hmm. offense and that just tough for him to get a win. It seems like it's like I said, it's just over and over. It's kind of crazy. You see Garrett Cole going out there and Trevor Bauer. Those are the two that come to mind because I've got lots of shares of them. And they pretty much show up at the park, spin their gin, and get a win every time, it feels like. Yeah. And yeah. then you got Jacob DeGrom going out there throwing 12 scoreless innings and leaving the game with a tie. Yeah. Okay, that's an exaggeration, but you get my point. All right, let's get back on track. we got one more to talk about here, and that is Eric Hosmer. I talked him up a lot after last season. He only played 38 games due to a finger injury, but he hit 287 with nine home runs and four steals and 23 runs and 36 RBI in 38 games. But what jumped out to me was the increased launch angle. I talked about it plenty this offseason. In previous seasons, it had been anywhere between negative 1.5 and 3, and it was an 8.7 launch angle last year, and I remember it being double digits before the injury. Well, the surface stats look solid so far. In 28 games, he's hitting 302 with a 434 slug, three home runs, and three steals. But what I've been mostly curious about for him this year was the launch angle, and unfortunately, it has been more of the old Hosmer. Currently, his launch angle is at negative 2.8. I was optimistic that he could have the best year of his career this year, but if that ground ball rate stays at around at 62 percent which it's currently 61.8 he isn't going to hit the home run totals i was hopeful for uh counting stats could still be there in that lineup but i expect those statistics to fall from where they are now andrew do you have anything you want to add here no not really that's um is he still invited to Thanksgiving dinner at your house? Or? <laughs> Depends. He he better get the runs in RBI, and he'll and we'll be okay. And that's the thing: <laughs> the price you paid for him wasn't a price that was what I was hoping and expecting him to be. 
it was one of those things to where if, if he hits in the low 20s and home runs and has a lot of runs in RBI, which I do expect to still happen, I think he's going to be yeah, fine where you took him. Yeah, he's doing okay. I mean, it's not like anything crazy, but it's also not like he's been terrible. Yeah. It's it's concerning, like the launch angle stuff. I get it, but um, like where you drafted him, I there's definitely guys that have been worse. Yep. The, gra- the ground ball rate is scary, but... It's been you know, scary maybe, for a maybe long time. Can, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely jumped up this year. But Okay, well, those are the guys I wanted to touch on this week. I I wanted to bring up Dylan Moore in here, too, and I decided not to because I think what I want to talk about on our next episode are the bad hit tool hitter speed guys and how they're doing so far this year. I've seen some of them doing well and some of them not doing well at all. And I just wanted to maybe tally up and see how many of these guys are meeting, exceeding, or um, not meeting expectations. And just really look at all those speed guys that you plugged your nose taking between picks 100 and 300 because you needed speed. and But you just kind of were hoping to look past the rest. So we're going to talk about Dylan Moore at that point, but... I got one last question for you, and that is um, really just talking about guys you've added in your leagues. We really haven't talked much about transactions we've been making in the early going, and I thought I'd ask Redraft or Dynasty, who have been some of your pickups that you've been making in like TGFBI or your Dynasty leagues? Well, this week um, I had to replace Yachty, Yachty or Molina and quite a few leagues so i picked yeah, up sucked. um i picked up dalton var show in a couple Ooh, that good where he was dropped where he was dropped um and i picked up knizner just to replace him in another you know in like one of the other ones because i've got him in like multiple teams so but he should be back pretty soon um who else did i grab this week sean doolittle Grabbed in a, in a league, possibly could be getting saved for yeah, the Reds. Yeah, what are you thinking about that? Because I grabbed him in our Rotomasters two league as a just in case, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know really, but it's not like it cost me that. I think I bid, um, I think I got him for thirty two bucks out of a yeah. thousand. Yeah, TGFBI. Yeah, it was TGFBI where I got him. That could be a really good investment right there. I I like the ones that you're not spinning two or three hundred for the like guy that's yeah. I think have the I role. I haven't really this season so far splurged on anybody. I've mostly just kind of been nickel and diamond right now. I mean, I don't, I always struggle with, uh, like I never go too crazy in fab. I feel like, and I think a lot of the reason is unless I see a guy on waivers that it's like, Oh my God, that guy should not be available. Or it's like a league where, you know, like some of the NFBC leagues, you can't pick like if the player wasn't drafted, you can't pick them up until they play in the majors if it's like a prospect. Mm-hmm. So if it's something like that, where uh, like this prospect all of a sudden gets called up, you know, like let's say just hypothetically Julio Rodriguez got called up next week, then in a bunch of leagues like NFBC type leagues, he's going to go for a, a ton, yeah. you know, and that would be something that I would potentially splurge on. Or if I really needed a closer and I felt really good about a guy that was going to get save opportunities, that wasn't something like that. Like Josh Stomont, if he was out there, would you have felt, would you have been aggressive on, on him in any of your leagues? Uh, well, he was in a couple, but it, I just didn't feel like it was clear. I'm still not positive. It is, yeah. but he has been, he has been getting a couple. So Maybe that's kind of like a lukewarm one for me, but just uh, other than those situations, though, I I feel like I like it better when I take shot after shot after shot, unlike guys that are a little less expensive. So, and you know, some of those guys are going to stick, you know, like you'll have guys that you get for like 10, 15 bucks that wind up really working out and you have them contributing for a couple of months or something and then there's guys that you're going to drop right away but you just kind of cycle and churn the roster at the bottom you know the bottom few spots so i haven't made a ton of splashes um 
grabbed Alex Wood in the league last week for home start against the Rockies, and he pitched great. Yeah. Did you um, avoid Austin Gomber last week? Yeah, I didn't have him anywhere. <laughs> I um, almost put a bid in on that guy, and then I looked at him, and I was like, no, this guy's this is Austin Gomber. And I, I'm like, yeah. I can't bring myself to do it. I almost did the same thing with a pitcher this week where it was one of those two-start guys, and I was looking at him and thinking about it, and I knew other people were going to be. I mean, whoever it was was picked up by somebody. And I looked, I'm like, no, this has blow-up potential. I'm not right. going to do it. Yeah, I've always, I've always been uh, on the, like, I've always loved the two-start pitchers, like always. And this year I feel like I've been a little less – uh, less like excited about throwing, just throwing out a guy because he has two starts. It's like, I look at, Oh my God, he's in course for one. Like, I think who was it last week or the week before I've got, um, justice Sheffield on a couple teams Mm -hmm. and he had a two start week and it was like Dodgers and at Boston or it was something like that. And I was like, I didn't even want to use him, you know? Mm -hmm. And they typically say if, if you're not going to use a guy that's a two start week, then why is he on your team? But yep. yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know. I've been a little more careful because there's, I'll never forget. I think it was two years ago. Maybe I picked up when Brett Anderson was on the Cubs, I picked him up. He was pitching decent and I picked him up for a two start week. And in the first start, he went like, one inning and just got completely obliterated and then he was hurt and didn't even make the second start so it was like i got like two it might have even been like two-thirds of an inning and you know seven eight runs or whatever it was it was just terrible those are and it's just you know it's not going to happen every time obviously but there's just when you're going when you're scrolling through bad pitchers with two starts, you, you just got to be careful. I mean, you you really got to look at the pitcher and who he is. And if the matchups are really good, then yeah. But I don't know, man. Like I've, I've gotten less – I feel like that that has not worked for me so many times that mm-hmm. it's just gotten to the point where I'm less excited to do it. You know – um, the last two weeks in a row we've had this happen. It was Gomber last week, and the week before that it was Joe Ross. To where we there's been a like the I think Joe Ross was a two start pitcher that week too, two weeks ago, where it was one of those guys that was getting picked up in a lot of leagues and burned somebody and burned pretty bad. Oh Ro- yeah, the Ross. Yeah, start was, I had that. I had that in one of my lineups. Oh, you that did. Ten, yeah, that ten run game or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one was painful. It was just coming out. I think it was a game against the Cardinals, both because he had just yeah. had a good start against the Cardinals. Well, he had, had, he'd had a couple. He was pitching really good, like a mm-hmm. few starts or whatever, and he had a two-start week, and the matchups weren't bad. So it was almost like, I mean, I would think most people would have used him that had him, you know. I, yeah, just tough. I've grabbed a couple other guys. I uh, thought I'd mention Sam Haggerty, uh, speaking of bad speed hitters. Um, right now, Dylan Moore has seems to be scuffling, and Haggerty's worked his way into some playing time, and he was kind of buzzy a couple of years ago, and who knows? I don't believe in the hitter, but if he's one of those guys that can get himself into some playing time, he could be a good source of speed for a little while. Uh, in one of my auction leagues, Domingo Herman was cut right after he had that bad start and then was demoted, and I noticed that he was out there the week he was about to come back in the rotation. I got him. So I've been pretty happy with that so far. Um, a reliever that I've grabbed is Sam Coonrod. I know that was one of the guys I heard our buddy Kando talk about last year as like the next Giants closer, one of those flame-throwing relievers, and wasn't great last year. Well, actually wasn't good at all, a 9.82 ERA, but he's been pretty impressive in the early going with the Phillies, and I think he's getting more, they're getting more confidence in putting him in and, um, set up like high leverage situations. He got the save the other day when Naris was not available. So this is not some sort of committee thing right now. Naris was not available that night, but strikeout. He's getting a lot more strikeouts than his most re- like he pitched again today. I think it looks like and had a clean inning with three strikeouts. I 
I think that guy's getting more confidence. And if Naris was to struggle, I think that might be the next guy to get a shot in that bullpen. So I'm, I grabbed him in a dynasty league and stashed him. I don't know if I'd be doing anything in redraft leagues other than monitoring. And if Naris starts struggling, maybe grab him before, before he gets that job. And finally, I wanted to ask you about Odolis Garcia. I grabbed him in a 12-team dynasty league after he had that two-home run game two weeks ago. I think he homered again today, if not it yeah, was yesterday. He did. Yeah, he homered tonight. What do you think of him and his start? He seems to have supplanted Leody Tavares, who we will talk about on our next podcast, as the starting center fielder. you have any thoughts on Adolis? Uh, call me not a believer, I guess. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, Obviously, his value is up from where it was. I mean, he's getting regular playing time. He's playing good. But, I mean, I don't really think it's going to last. I I don't know. We'll see. I mean, 278 OBP, and everybody thinks mm-hmm. he's playing so great, you know? <laughs> it's just kind of one of those. I, I feel like when it starts to get rotten, it's going to get really rotten. And, I mean, he has power, and he's, like, on a bad team, and, like, he's kind of hot. You know, he's. He's cooled off since the two-homer game, but yes. homer tonight. So probably has, you know, some extended run here. But, like, if if we looked up in six weeks and he was, like, two for his last 61, I mean, I'm not going to be surprised. So Completely agree with you. I asked you that, and, yes, I agree. I grabbed him uh, two weeks I mean, if ago. you grabbed him, if you grabbed him, you just use him if he's one of your five best outfielders and – Till somebody better, you know, till somebody better comes along, or until he just completely shits the bed. So he's sitting in my minor leagues right now, just because a I'm not I'm not really competing, and I I've got an I've I've grabbed a lot of bats in that league. I really don't need him as a bat, and it's more of a let's just see if something's here, and then I can trade him. But my guess is he probably won't be on my roster a month from now. But I grabbed him just in case, and I wanted to, since I was when I was looking at my transactions and I saw his name, I thought oh, I should ask you and see what your thoughts are on him. But I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I think, think if that, I, I had him, there's anything there. I think if I had him, I would just kind of ride it out, and I feel like that's really all you can do. But I just don't think it's something that's going to stick long term. Really, thirty-one percent K rate. 5% walk rate. I mean, I just don't see it. I had to grab Jason Castro also in an auction league where I had both Molina and Omar Narvaez. A lot of injuries with these catchers going on this last week. It was a bad week. Darno, Molina, yeah. Narvaez. <sighs> yep. But that's the way the game goes. Anybody else you want to touch on before we get out of here? I think we covered a good bit tonight, so. No, yeah. I think I'm. I think I'm good. I know that. Uh, I just want to say this real quick, but Justin always says that like I'm the one that we got to get my opinion and stuff. But I'm in three leagues with Justin, and he is in first in all <laughs> three of them. So this guy knows what he's talking about too. Just want to throw this out there. So I'm having a heck of a year. This is like it's I, early. It's, it's early. early. It's yeah. It's ridiculous yeah, I, what's going it's like on. like I click on it's like I click on a new league, Justin Hughes in first, Justin Hughes in first. So just want to give you that shout out. It's you know, I I I said at the beginning of the year, right before the season started, that when I asked you who's the guy that you have the most shares of, and I kind of chuckled when I looked at mine and I saw Danny Duffy was the guy I took in the most draft and holds. That is yeah, what you call dumb luck. <laughs> yeah, he's been on fire. Yeah, fastball velocity's up. That's what I um, keep hearing Alex Fast talking about or Nick Pollock talking about on the Pitcher List podcast is, you know, the last few years his velocity was in the 90, 91 range, and now it's more back in the 93, 94 range from three or four years ago. And Yeah, it's been it's been a fun month for me in terms of looking through my leagues and yeah, going well, but yeah, we're not even 25% of the way through the season. A lot of season left to go. Yeah, yeah, a lot of season left. I hope I, hope I didn't jinx you, other than uh, RM2. <laughs> Which you're creeping <laughs> up there. I think when I yeah, looked earlier close. tonight, we're my close. pitching in that league, just I can't, I feel like every, Jesus Lazardo's getting mad at video games and breaking a pinky and then going out there and getting lit up and 
didn't start well with Wainwright tonight, but I think that one actually ended up not as bad as expected. But yeah, I finally I finally got a good start out of Maeda tonight. He's been so bad. Yeah, that, that was rough. Nice I mean, start. I was I was like I was starting to think about benching him because I mean I have a pretty good staff, but it was like this week was it's two starts against Texas and Detroit. Mm-hmm. You can't I mean you can't sit him for that. You just gotta. But I mean, if he if he would have been blown up this week in those matchups, I Done. it's starting to get to bench territory for me with him. But yeah, it's a good start tonight. He was cheap in DraftKings tonight, and I play this game with my buddies. We play a free roll game every night, pretty much. Um, Van Lee, who a lot of people know from the from the, I think, uh, shoot, I don't remember what their podcast name launch, is now. Launch Angle. Launch Angle for sure, yes, and then the Dynasty Baseball podcast or something like that. That he, him, and Brian Vaughn co-host with um, Nathan, Do- not Nathan Dawkins, but um, Ron Rigney. And anyways, we th- we've been playing a game for years where we just we all we basically set a lineup and play against each other, and whoever wins the most games at the end of the season, we we each pay twenty five bucks to. It's a fun thing to do during the season, and they both started Day, night. Uh, like just da- daily. Yeah. So it's like DFS or whatever, it's just against DFS. each other. Yeah, we play yeah. on DraftKings, and we just set a lineup every night, and we play. And like the, tonight, Kenta Maeda was pretty cheap, and I still didn't have the guts to start him. And I think they both did. And so, yeah, I'm finishing in third place tonight. <laughs> Is yeah. it just who went? Who gets first? Uh, we keep we keep. We keep a spreadsheet on it, and yeah, we count up who wins the most games during the season, and that guy's the winner. Gotcha. Yeah, That's it, cool. It's fun to do. It's something we've been doing. I've, I want to say we've been doing it for four years now, maybe even five. So Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Yep. Good thing to recommend. If you're, if you're looking for a fun thing to do with some friends and you are into DFS, that's a good way to do it. You can even play a free roll game. And like set up a league on DraftKings, and you could do that with friends, and then just kind of keep tabs on who wins the most. Actually, if you do leagues, you can even they'll even keep standings for you. So fun way, fun thing to do. All right, we've rambled long enough here. I think we'll get out of here until next week, whenever we can talk about bad hitting speed guys and see how they're doing. Until There's next time. There's plenty of those. Yes, there are. (laughs) All right. Take care, everybody. Yep. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us baseball365pod at gmail.com and if you like the show, take a moment rate us on iTunes once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook that's where baseball lives 365 days a year 